Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to SDGC's live show for February 6th, 2020. Um, I'm Justin. I am joined by Derek. Hello, everybody. Reb. What's that? And Jeff. Tired. Overly lit. Oh, Jeff, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, you seem, you seem oh, real tired. tired. Oh my God, Jeff. You sleepy I'm boy. Just tired. I'm just tired of life. I just need a break. Oh. Jeff! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, though. Like, really, my life's not bad, but I'm just tired. I would just like some sleep. Tired is an eternal <laughs> mood, though. I do get that. Yeah, yeah trust me. I, I know. We live in the um, tired age. I hope everybody listening is doing well tonight. I hope everybody in chat is having a good time. And we're going to talk about some games in the game industry tonight. Um, so just to start off, um, you know, a little fun. <laughs> Let's just go through what, what we've been playing. Uh, who wants to start us off? Does anybody have anything particularly exciting that they've been playing they want to talk about? I have two things, if you'll indulge me. Of course, One go of ahead. them I can't talk a lot about, though. Okay, go ahead, though. Um, so I, I can say that I have this. I was given an early key for... Some of you have maybe seen me yelling on Twitter lately about this game called The Longing. Um, and I can kind of plug as much of it as public knowledge. Uh, the premise of the game is that you... That there's this there's this king, like he's this giant like rock mountain king, whatever. He's like deep underground. Um, and he, at the start of the game, he creates you and you're this little tiny shade like in his hand. Um, like, it looks like a golem from Lord of the Rings, but, like, like covered in, like, charcoal or soot or something and these huge, like, yellow eyes. Um, and he says, hey, like, I'm the king down here, um, but I don't have, you know, I've, I've run out of my strength. And so I'm going to sleep for 400 days. And at the end of 400 days, I need you to wake me up. Um, and then I will come into my power and I will end all longing and wanting forever. And then he goes to sleep. And so you're just at the bottom of this mountain and the king's asleep for 400 days and there's a clock on the top of your screen and it starts ticking down and it starts ticking down 400 real-time days. And the clock keeps going even when you're not playing the game. So if you close it, you open it up again two days later, two more days have passed. Um, and you can just kind of go. So you, he walks really slowly. Um, he walks at like the shuffle old man pace. Um, you have, when he puts you down, you're kind of like right next to your little hovel, which is your whole, um, when you go in there, you got like a couple books on a bookshelf, uh, like a piece of charcoal and like a piece of paper so you can draw some pictures if you want. And then like an armchair. And that's basically, oh, and an hourglass counting down the time. And that's basically all you have. Um, so you can do a lot of different things. You can just sit and do nothing. And then 400 days later, open up the game and wake him up if you feel like. Um, or you can go out and explore this, the system of caves in the palace and you can find things to make your little hovel cozier. So like you can find a whole bunch of little books and you can find like decorations like curtains and rugs and things. And the cozier you make it, the faster time passes while you're in it. And so I got to a point where every one second while I was in my little hole was 10 seconds. So if I was if I closed the game out while I was in there and reopened it like one day later, a couple days had passed. Um, hmm. And so that that's one thing that happens. And then the other thing that happens is as you're exploring, um, the shade will talk to himself, um, and you also might encounter certain things throughout the kingdom that give you a hint that there's maybe something else going on here. And you don't really know what it is. There's kind of a worrisomeness to the fact that the king is saying he's going to end all longing. Like, you don't really know <laughs> yeah, what that means. No, it's a little ominous. It's a little ominous, right? And so the shade maybe has an idea that he wants to try to get... He, he might, might consider wanting to get up to the surface, but he's not sure because he's the king's loyal servant. Um, and so that's the game. That's the longing. Um, I actually... I, I was given the game two months in advance. 
And there are multiple endings. Um, and I, I cannot... I am desperate to talk about this game, but I have already finished it. I have already finished one ending, and I still have one month to go before I can talk about this game. Because they gave everybody two months so they could get as far as they wanted before they did reviews. I'm not doing a review. But I am fucking desperate to talk about this game, and I think it is hilarious that the developers have made this fucking meta game where, like, now I am longing to talk about this game, but I have to <laughs> wait 30 days. Is, Reb, is this the game that you tweeted about a few days? You said there was, like, there's a game that you wanted to talk about yeah, in, like, a month. Yeah, I just... Okay. There are some really... I think it is incredible that a game has done mm -hmm. something with the mechanic... with. The verb wait. It has turned wait. Like, time is a mechanic in a lot of games, right? Like, you have to do things very quickly. I have never played a game before that wants you to do things really fucking slowly. Or you have to just be patient and Unless wait. it's a, a mobile game where everything's time games. <laughs> right, yeah. But no, it is It is incredible. It is very much my... Like, I, I have a lot of... I've had a lot of years where early in the year I've just run across, like, an indie darling and fallen in love with it. And The Longing is absolutely my indie darling for the beginning of this year. Um, so here in a month, I will finally get to come on the show, and I will just not shut up about how fucking cool this game is and spoil the whole damn thing for you, and it's going to be great. Um, that sounds really cool. What platforms is it on? It's just on PC right now. It's on Steam. Okay. Um, the other game I wanted to talk about is Temtem, which I can talk a lot about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Have any of y'all played Temtem yet? I have not. I, I haven't, but uh, my fiance's uh, seventeen-year-old brother is playing it. He's like, okay. he's a big Pokemon nerd, so he was I'm... he was talking about this Pokemon like clone or whatever that he was playing, and yeah. I was like, I've never heard of this. And then Reb's like, Temtem, and I'm like, Temtem. Oh, yeah. So here's here's a little American-centric narrative for you to kind of explain how I feel about Temtem. Temtem. Last year in May, I went to the UK, and I had never been outside. I had never been to the UK before. And I very quickly got a sense that being in the UK was like being an alternate universe America. Like everything was almost the same, but not quite. Like the cars are on the wrong side of the road. That's sort of the obvious thing. The signs were just slightly different. Like instead of, you know, apartment for rent, it would say to let. And I knew what that meant. Like I understood it, but it was just like slightly alternate universe. The money was almost the same, but kind of different. Um, Temtem is like alternate universe Pokemon. I instinctively understand everything that I need to do, but it's all just sort of couched in different language and the Pokemon are not the same and everything is very different. Um, there are there are a few things that I like that Temtem does that I think are fascinating. Um, it gets rid of certain mechanics in Pokemon and replaces them with different ones I think are better. better. All battles are double battles, which I think adds like different strategies to it. Um, instead of having every move having PP, um, it gives you a stamina bar and every move takes stamina and a little bit regenerates each turn. So it's more short-term move management than long-term move management. Um, it's harder just in general. Um, the monsters are cuter, but I think they have way less personal identity than Pokemon do. Um, but it's just, it's very, and it's an MMO. Um, so you're constantly seeing other players running around. There's not really a lot you can do besides battling and trading with them so far, but it's also an early access, so I'm willing to forgive them. It's coming out on Switch in a couple months, actually. Um, but it's just, it's very interesting. I don't know that this is going to be like a long-term substitute for Pokemon. I think a lot of people were freaking out about it, particularly because Pokemon Sword and Shield were so disappointing to so many people. Um, well, at least people on the internet. I think, you know, it sold like fucking a gajillion. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that Temtem... Like, like monster, monster catching and battling RPGs are not this novel thing. Like, they've existed since, you know, Pokemon has existed. Um, they've always been a thing. I think this is that's one of the reasons why Temtem has gotten traction, because of the whole thing around Sword and Shield. It's not a bad game. It's a good game. I just don't know that it's got, like, the staying power that some people are kind of freaking out that it might be, like, a replacement for Pokemon. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm playing. That's yeah. cool. 
That's that sounds really cool. Yeah, I've heard I've heard a lot of buzz around Temtem. Um, I have hadn't obviously I haven't played it myself, but it, it'll be inter- It'll be it'll be interesting because you know it's made by a small team. It's an early access. It'll be neat to see how it evolves over time. And I, <laughs> I I know they're planning on bringing it to you know uh, PlayStation and Xbox, which I think will be really interesting to see if it gains traction there, um, because. That 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 places it kind of interestingly against Pokemon. Yeah, Bronson. I honestly, it's yeah, it is an early access, but it's like fine. It's like perfectly playable. It also it takes it because it's more difficult. Um, it takes a lot longer to do anything. Like my Temtems are all level fifteen, and I've been playing for a week, and I haven't been playing a ton. I've been playing other games too, but like it is a little bit more of a challenge, and so I. I've come across some areas already where, like, it's a building with a little sign that says, work in progress. But I think, like, unlike a lot of other early access games, this is a very, very playable early access game. Like, it's not, if there's bugs, I haven't run into any. It's it's solid and it's interesting. And it's more like... From what I've heard, it's more like, a le- it's not content complete, but what right. is there is relatively polished. Yes, I think that's a very good way to put it. It does feel a little bit, a little bit grindy. I haven't even got to breeding yet. Um, yeah, it is a little bit grindy. Uh, that's kind of why I, honestly, it's Pokemon for the people that are pissed off that Pokemon's too easy. And you know what? Fine. Pokemon for real gamers. Yeah, for real gamers. <laughs> I don't know. It's cute and soft, and I like it. But yeah, I'm more excited for the Pokemon DLC this year than I am for Tetris. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Reb. Yeah. Jeff. Do you want to fill us in on what you have been playing lately? Uh, I will. I'm going to try to find an angle that doesn't bore anyone because I feel like <laughs> <laughs> most people don't care about what, uh, what I'm playing. Um, so uh, I've played Gran Turismo Sport on and off since it came out in 2017. Um, I'm a pretty big racing guy. I buy Forza every year. The main motorsport series, Forza Horizon. You spy Need for Speed back when it was good. Um, uh, but I, the thing about racing games is online is always a shit show. Uh, it's either the net code. Uh, I mean, you can imagine you're talking fractions of a second uh, making a difference and hit detection is very important. Um, and then also just the people that you play with. Uh, a lot of online games, you can just kind of ignore other people. But when you're racing 15 cars through a tight corner, like you always have the one dude from that, uh, I don't know, the Doom or Polygon videos where like he just comes barreling down like a missile and, and just slams into five other cars and causes this massive pileup. That's and, me, like, that's me. Yeah, and it's like it's fine, right? Like not everybody's good at these games, and I'm so I'm happy that they could do that offline. But it's uh, it's frustrating when you're just trying to have like a nice clean race and like you're doing good and you're on the final lap, and then some guy just comes in and <laughs> destroys you. So the thing, uh, Gran Turismo Sport has done really well, and I've heard about this. Uh, I just I didn't want to dip my toes into the online uh, until now, which is what I finally started doing the last week. Um, they have two videos that you have to watch before you can even play. Uh, it's called the sport mode. There's like a regular online mode, which is just lobbies. It's kind of for fun. Sport, I guess, think of it as like a ranked mode. Uh, before you can even play, you have to watch these two videos uh, before it's locked down. It's about racing etiquette. And it explains, it just, it's it's very calmly explained. Like, I love it. It's almost like a David Attenborough documentary. It's like, <laughs> racing should be fun. Racing should be clean. Drive to look good. Don't drive to look bad. If you see <laughs> other people driving bad, 
avoid those people and drive around them. God, I, uh, and I love forcing <laughs> gamers to sit through an etiquette class yeah. before they're allowed to go online. This is like, yeah, this is like a meta commentary on the internet. Yeah. So the videos are only a few minutes long each, um, but they just lay out like how you should drive. And the amazing thing is they seem to have worked because after, <laughs> after, after like an hour, maybe five or 10 races. Um, so you have two different ratings. You have like your driver rating, which is based on how well you place in the races. So that's like your skill ranking. And you have a sport rating. Um, it, it, the game has an algorithm that decides whether you're at fault for penalties when you make initiate contact with other cars or you kind of um, nudge people off the track into a corner or something like that. Uh, so your sport rating goes down if you drive inconsiderately. And if you drive <laughs> considerately, it goes up. Because and you're it goes a bad up boy. Boy. Was so... Jeff describing this yeah. with the extremely polite <laughs> Canadian veneer over. <laughs> um, so yeah, after like an hour, after five or ten races, like I had a good sport rating. I was being placed <laughs> in matches with other people and like, Everyone just drives nicely. Everyone drives in a single file line. Uh, like I've, I've probably played twenty or thirty races now in the last week. People like are you supposed to try way? to pass people in racing race games? That everyone's just like too polite. It, it's like yeah, like you're allowed to pass people, um, but you're not supposed to like swerve and weave in and out to block them from passing you. Like you can kind of take the corner and not let, but like you're not supposed to intentionally block them. Like if you're on a straightaway and someone's trying to pass you on the right. The, the the sport etiquette of racing like in real life too like dictates that you let them pass you god uh, i'd be so. so i'd be so bad at this game <laughs> I, i'm like i'm i'm so bad at racing games it's every single time i try to play a racing game i just immediately spin out no matter what i do i cannot drive in a straight line in a racing game it's, it's I'm so bad. So like there's no way I'd be able to It's it's definitely last. a muscle memory thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. You just have yeah. It's all about breaking and when what you part break. Part of it, this is it. fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know. I see with kindness. It's fun to go fast. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um it's just like there's a good there's a I don't know, I don't play a lot of roguelikes, but I imagine it's like a time attack thing or it's like there's a weird satisfaction from just running the same lap over and over and just trying to shave fractions of a second off your time. Like, it's like a perfectionist thing where it's like that one corner I took too wide. And if I just cut a half inch more on the corner, like, uh, I don't know. It, it's a definitely for a certain kind of person. But anyways, what I wanted to say is that I was just super impressed with how they managed to cultivate a really good, clean uh, online community. There's all these messages that you can give to people before, and you press square to just bring up like a bunch of preset messages, and they're all very positive. It's like, have a good race, and they've got different languages. So they've got messages in Spanish or English or French and stuff like that. So it's like, it's all pre programmed, oh. uh, you know? So like, everything, like, before every race, everyone's just spamming like really positive comments, and there's no text <laughs> chat. So I don't have anyone telling me to like go fuck off and play Pokemon or something like that. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. It's been a really good experience, and I've been pleasantly surprised. Wholesome gaming, wholesome gaming. I want every multiplayer game to have this. Like, yeah. I want the next Call of Duty to be like, all right, guys, we need to talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good shooting, everyone. Spawn camping <laughs> is mean. Let's get those Nazis. <laughs> oh. Derek, 
Jeff, was was that it? Was it just uh, GT Sport you wanted to talk about? Uh, yeah, that's the only thing I want to talk about. I've been playing Sims, but everyone on my, who follows me on Twitter is sick of me tweeting about Sims. Sims Jeff, is awesome. Can you actually, sorry, really quick, can yeah. you? I, I had to miss the last Sims SDG uh, stream. Can you give oh, me a quick I, I, I missed it. I missed yeah, the second happened? one too, and I haven't watched the. Um, so I haven't watched the update I'm on old. how they're doing. Unfortunately, so I, for anyone who doesn't know, I created an SDGC house in The Sims 4. Where I created all eight of us. Um, the first stream was pretty crazy. I was still trying to figure out the mechanics. Uh, so unfortunately, a lot of the crazy stuff happened in between streams when I was just trying to do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, I had a house party and Maddie uh, tried to fix a stereo that was malfunctioning and it electrocuted him and he died. Oh, uh, and apparently you could plead with so death for someone's life, but I didn't know this. So I kind of just stood there watching him uh, <laughs> die. And then he disappeared. And now I found out last night he haunts the house at night. Yep. He just floats around and cries and then goes to bed and cries <laughs> under his covers. It's, he doesn't scare anyone. That's or do he just literally like made him... me now. <laughs> he cooked some burgers on the grill and went up to bed and cried himself to sleep. <laughs> Is and that then he so me. Maddie has the most relatable ghost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is Derek still old? Uh, no, I used the cheat to reverse age Derek okay. because it wasn't fair. I wasn't ready to say goodbye. To <laughs> Less than but 10 we minutes into the first stream. Maddie. Yeah, well, Maddie, did, like, that was his time, right? I, I feel like that was his time. Nature <laughs> so Derek just blew out the candles on a birthday cake and got old. Maddie fiddled with technology. And that yeah, was yeah. should have known better. <laughs> I love, so. I'm 80 years old, but it was Maddie's time. <laughs> that's amazing I, I like how you said it was his time when he got electrocuted by a stereo is that the full full break, breakdown of what's what's Wasn't up in the SDG Sims house Maddie's the cat now oh yeah Maddie's a cat he was a kitten now he's a full grown cat um, and he's really smelly and he's been smelly for two days he's got flies buzzing around him like little stink lines and his lair box is clean, so I looked it up, and apparently the cats just get really smelly sometimes. They're supposed to clean themselves, but he didn't. So I literally had to build. I had to build. I had to construct a pet clinic on a separate lot, which took me an hour. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out how to hire people and take the cat, this cat, Maddie cat, to the vet, so it doesn't stink anymore. Because it, it leaves puddles around the house too. I think it's pissing on the floor. Because oh Zach is mopping up puddles every five minutes. What the fuck? The Maddie? I, I really don't know. So, anyways, <laughs> tune in. Uh, I don't. There will hopefully be one more stream next week before I go on vacation. So make sure you tune in. Oh. To watch Maddie the cat pee everywhere and Derek get really old. That's good. And content. the rest of us have. And Justin be an astronaut. Yeah. I might. I. My sim was barely holding it together. Like, astronaut training was not being kind to my Justin sim. Justin seems to have the worst hours. Like, I swear he leaves before everyone and gets home after everyone. And his hunger and energy meters are just always at empty. I I assume he goes to the moon and back every day. Like, yeah. that that has to be what being an astronaut that, that is, is, right? We don't get on the bus or get into our little cars. He just, you know, opens the door to his rocket ship, <laughs> yeah. goes in, closes it, flies yeah, off. Yeah, he goes to the moon, he mines in space, right? Yeah. And brings back moon rocks. Mm -hmm. That's how science works. All right, Derek. Yeah. What have you been playing? Uh, so I have not had a whole lot of personal time in my life recently. I've been very, very busy, um, but I have still kept time to stream. Um, and I started uh, last week and continued this week. Um, I've been playing uh, Mass Effect 3, uh, which has been a long time. I mean, I, I, I beat that game... 
before even the like fixed ending, whatever that means, comes out. Mm-hmm. I never touched any of the DLC. I never went back to see what they changed. So it's uh, it's been a long time, and I'm really excited to see the stuff that I missed. And I'm realizing uh, that we all did that game dirty. Uh, it's actually fucking incredible. No, it, it rules. It yeah. rules. I love that game. I turned a man into Fruit Punch, and that's really just <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Jeff, Very fantastic. What did you think about it when it came out? Like you said, you because I played I, it after the ending was fixed. I and I thought it was great. really liking it up to the last five minutes. I remember yeah. it was one of my favorite gaming, like favorite games of that whole generation. Maybe one of my favorite games I've ever played as the culmination of, of the Mass Effect trilogy, which I loved so much. Until those last five minutes. I really disliked the ending. Um, And I was not a shithead about it. Right, yeah. But I really disliked that ending. Um, And Mm -hmm. I'm curious now, you know, I'm I'm older. Like, it will be less of a teenage, like, wish-fulfillment fantasy of being the hero and the guy. Like, can I accept an imperfect ending, you know? And, and like, what has been changed? I'm really interested to go back to that as an older and i think more like artistically savvy um human being um so that's been good uh and then i also i started control last week Uh, i only got about two hours in i'm gonna play more of it so good um and i i fell in love with it just immediately Mm -hmm. it's it's ridiculous it's weird i fucking i fucking love it it is so wild um, I don't know what's up with the short-haired blonde girl with the extremely wide mouth that I'm <laughs> she, getting I know directions from. Um, I, <laughs> but her mouth is... <laughs> not She's to very spoil high anything, energy. but the wide mouth has nothing. It, it's not like a harbinger of evil. No, she I just, just thought it... I just think it's a weird character model. But like, There's another character later on that has... How do I explain... Justin, you know, just like, his which face. Character? His face which character is, are you talking about? Uh, the security guy. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He, His he, face he does is look... wrong. There's a few yeah. weird faces in that game. I and like Emily really though. Ones. I like Emily though. I she's cool. No, yeah, she's a great. She's a fun character. I like her. I just I'm, I'm noticing constantly that her mouth is just just larger enough that it bothers me. Um, yeah. Derek, are you still on your quest to play every Call of Duty game? Uh, that is for the moment <laughs> on Black hold. Ops broke him. For, well, Black, Black Ops Black Ops 3 did really break me. I have Infinite Warfare installed, which is the next game on the list. That um, one's actually good. And I'll and... do it, but I played, um, in preparation for Doom Eternal coming out, I went back and I replayed Doom. And I don't ah, like yes. doing a bunch of shooters all at once, and I'm already yeah, doing fair. a lot of shooters right now. Um, so, like, I actually also, I, I installed um, Neverwinter Nights, um and oh, kinda, oh awesome I yeah that's a good to, throwback i have not got to spend much time with that but like I'm, I'm i'm a big dungeons and dragons guy i haven't gotten to play dungeons and dragons in forever i've been listening to a crap load of critical role now that i need like podcasts to entertain myself while i'm infinitely busy and never have free time um which has just made the D bug worse so it's been it was nice to sit down for a, a tiny amount of time with neverwinter nights and 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 D it up so awesome cool so yeah, I've been kind of all over the place for somebody who has no time. <laughs> Justin, what about you? Um, I've just been trying to f- finish Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Okay. I this game doesn't end. <laughs> um, I I I mentioned I've been I feel like it's been like a month and a half I've been talking about playing this game and like 
so I got it when it was on sale, bundled with all the DLC, and then two remasters of two other Assassin's Creed games, which is just the idea of going and playing two more Assassin's Creed games after <laughs> after this one is the most exhausting like thought. And the thing is, I like the same thing kind of happened to me with this and Origins. Origins, I played like crazy for a couple weeks, and then I hit like the 50 hour mark and realized there was still like a third of the map I hadn't even seen. And I'm just like, Nope, I'm done. <laughs> like I, I got everything I wanted to get out of this. I, I can't do it anymore. This, I finished the main story and then I finished the three, uh, like, um, uh, legacy of the first blade episodes. And now I'm like partway through the first faint of Atlantis DLC. I'm at like a hundred hours Damn. I might just be calling it in for a little while. Like, I really want to finish the Fate of Atlantis DLC. Like, the first episode um, takes place, like, in the Elysium Fields, and it is one of the most gorgeous things I've ever seen. But, like, the entire gameplay of it is just all the stuff that I'm very tired of after this much. Like, I really do enjoy these um, these games, but they just hit critical mass and they're so, so long yeah, that I, like, I, I just, I just check out. And I, right now I'm at a point where I just really want to play um, some other stuff right now. Um, there's a couple things I've been really meaning to replay uh, like God of War 2018 and a couple other things. So I think I like last night I kind of hit the point. Cause I was like, okay, you know what? If I can finish episode one uh, of fate of Atlantis tonight, then I'm going to push through. And it's been like three nights in a row of hoping to finish that. And I don't know how much more I have left. And I think I'm just going to, I think I just need to take a break. Like it's, it's one thing that always, you know, frustrates me about Ubisoft's games is because like, I really like a lot of people, you know, criticize the core gameplay loop. And I do enjoy, you know, the core gameplay loop of like, you know, clearing enemy bases and you know doing quests and stuff but like the combat just isn't that engaging especially once you get late late game where you're super overpowered and it just is like oh i'm gonna use this ability and it's a long long animation um to do it it's just like okay i hit the button combination to start an animation and then just mm. wait um instead of like actively doing it and also i just I've, i've never really cared about much about the stories in the assassin's creed games i like i'm one of the weirdos that thinks the super strange like old gods stuff is way way more interesting than the like historical stories and stuff and they're moving away from that because most people don't like it um and stuff so it's like i just wish ubisoft would just condense the game a little bit and make it like very dense, cool, smaller areas um, filled with more like unique quests and, you know, kind of go more in depth on the characters in combat instead of just the sheer broadness um, because the core game is really fun. And I think it would be truly excellent if they just reined it in a little bit. I just want to back you up on that, Justin, real quick. Uh, <laughs> I put 70 hours into Assassin's Creed Origins. It's one of my favorite games of the entire generation. I beat it 100%ed it. I like cleared everything. And you would think with Odyssey being the successor to that that like 
to my one of my favorite games of the gen, I'd be all in. I have not even thought about starting it because the idea <laughs> of just clearing one of those bases and that combat, I'm like, I can't, I can't do another hundred. It's even longer. I, it's even bigger. I can't. These games are too big. I mean, that was also the part of the reason why I didn't jump right in on Odyssey until it was on sale for like dirt cheap. <laughs> like it was, I think it was on sale for twenty five bucks, which isn't dirt cheap. But I also had like. $15 in random PSN credit. So it's like I paid 10 bucks with all the DLC and Great. then two remasters of two other Assassin's Creed games. Great. And I'm like, all right. Um, I mean, I, I got a lot for my $10. I but, haven't um, loved an Assassin's Creed game since Ezio was the protagonist. That guy see, was a hunk and I miss him. I, I, and the thing is that also that's kind of the weird thing between Origins and Odyssey that... Um, I really liked Bayek as the lead in Origins, and I like the Egyptian setting a lot more. Um, Odyssey's fun. Like, Cassandra's fun. She's snarky. Cassandra, my... also hot. Oh, yes. Cassandra is very hot. And my Cassandra has banged good. everything from, yeah. from across Greece. Like, <laughs> like, like this game, it, it has the funniest romance system. Like, there's just every now and then a character... Man or woman, doesn't matter. There'll just be a heart next to one of their conver dialogue options. It's like, oh, I'm going to bang them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just that I need to know, like, is the, is the dialogue option beside the heart, like, romance-related dialogue? Or is it literally like, hey, do you need some help, like, do you putting collect those dishes trading away? Cards, like in The Witcher? <laughs> you order a pizza? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's like people are asking you for help and you're like, uh, you want to bang? Like, some, <laughs> so, like, sometimes it's like part of the conversation and sometimes it's absolutely not. Oh, um, probably there's one really funny one where there's this one old lady who wanted you to make like a sex potion for her old husband who no longer could, uh, keep up with her. Um, and so you make it and then he's like, I'm too old. I like taking that potion would kill me. So you just go and bang her, and he, he he thanks you for it. You bang her for like 24 hours straight while he just hangs outside playing the loot and talking to random people outside. And then he's like, oh, thank you so much. Um, and then the Great. other really funny one. Power to them for being open about what they want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, they're like, Greeks. Sure, if we're all good with it, great. It, everyone's very ancient Greek in this game. <laughs> Um, and then the other really funny one was, is like, there is this woman that's like, yeah, my daughter is really out of line. Like, I need you to help, you know, get her to calm down and focus up. I, I just banged her daughter. Yeah. That, that works. <laughs> I, I feel like, uh, I feel like game? Ubisoft, I feel like Ubisoft noticed that Bioware, uh, the Bioware niche isn't being filled anymore for those fans of like Mass Effect and Dragon Age because they're off to an ad now. And they're like, people want dialogue options and they don't, they want to bang. People and they're like, like we're going to fill this. Extremely horny. Yeah. yeah. And the thing, the thing that's also, but the thing that's frustrating to me about it is there is zero nudity. Like, it's just like they just walk off screen and then come back and do like a slight adjusting their clothes animation. And like they keep referring to characters as being naked that are wearing diapers. And it's like, <laughs> come on, guys, go it's, all the way with this. Like it, we've like, seen the we've seen video game sex scenes. It's for the best. Like, yeah, that's yeah. true. Like, like even just like, there was one time where they had like the the, the only just like piece of information they gave me to find like this prisoner was that he was stripped naked and he had a huge penis. Those were the only descriptors, but I got there and he was wearing a diaper. And I'm like, 
How was I supposed to find yeah, it? Yeah, now I don't know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> is this the right yeah. guy? It could be the wrong guy. Like, I, can't, I can't see his gigantic penis to be sure. I don't know. <laughs> they they said it was godlike. Come on. Like, I, look, how can well, you identify the man this. if you can't see his godlike penis? I yeah, know fuck. that Martha can hear me from the other room shouting <laughs> that. <laughs> and I mean, w- when I say this, I want equal opportunity nudity. I just, Absolutely. A- everybody. There, there, There's one character that, like, he is just a complete hedonist. And every single time you do a quest for him, you can just also bang him. Like, it doesn't matter. They just, like, it's, like, part of, like, how I'm playing Cassandra and his just buddy friendship. Like, it's like, all right, he tricks you into getting somebody killed and then they bang. Like, that's just, that's just how those go. But, yeah, I think I might need to take... A break from that game. I I do really enjoy it. I think it's entertaining. You but take like, a break from banging everybody in ancient Greece. Yeah, yeah I, maybe, it's yeah. drink a juice box. Get back in there. <laughs> Just rehydrate. <laughs> All right. I hope you're so, ready for another hundred hour Assassin's Creed game this fall, Justin. Oh, another. Well, they keep saying that each one is like double the length of the last one. It's like, God, Ubisoft, please. Use some machine. Well, I can't do this They're infinite now, right? Like they're all live services. So at mm-hmm. this point, everyone is just infinite. And yeah. yeah like, Thanks I to mean, our new game creation algorithm, the next Assassin's <laughs> Creed will be twice as long as human existence. <laughs> all right. So uh, we can talk about what we've been playing for a while, but there was yeah. a lot of really big news uh, that hit this week. Um, and we want to tear into some of that. Uh, so kind of the first topic that we want to talk about is a couple really major um, voices among their series have left the studios that they have helped to pioneer. Um, Dan Hauser, uh, one of the famous Hauser brothers at Rockstar, uh, one of the lead writers and creative directors for Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead Redemption, has left Rockstar. And Rod Ferguson... Um, a longtime uh, employee at Epic who moved over to Coalition uh, with Microsoft to work on Gears 4 and 5 um, has left um, Coalition to work on the, to oversee the Diablo series for Blizzard. Derek, I, you I'm said- laughing. I'm laughing because in the last like six or seven months, so we've got Rob Ferguson going to Diablo. Okay, fine. Um, but we've also got the one ESA guy, uh, the guy who's in charge of the communications for ESA is now in charge of comms for Blizzard. And that happened like right around all the Blitzchung stuff. And didn't um, Blink Ibarra from Xbox yeah. also go over to Blizzard Bl- right to around Blizzard, all the Blitzchung yeah. stuff? Blizzard apparently needs the fucking help. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, so, so I think that's both funny and yeah. also like sort of interesting to watch. So I... I've had this conversation a few times with people. There, There is a lot, um, if you just look at the broader industry over the last year, um, there are a lot of major figures who are either leaving places or making moves right now. And it's it's a little less alarming right now um, when it's, you know, just, it's like Dan Hauser and Rod Ferguson. It's like two different studios going, like, somewhere else. Um, but I think people were kind of freaked out last year because a bunch of Sony people were moving around and, like, some Xbox people were moving around and then Reggie retired. There was all this stuff going on. This is, like, a super normal time for big figures to make moves. Like, super normal. We were right on the cusp of a console generation. Um, Dan Hauser's maybe a little bit uh, unique in his particular situation because he's apparently been on leave for, like, a year. 
Um, but everybody else has probably done what they've probably finished whatever they were working on that was for the next generation, whether that was like if they're at a hardware manufacturer, whether that was a console or like in the case of Rod Ferguson, whatever, I don't know what the hell he was doing at the coalition, but um, whatever, whatever they've got going on behind the scenes for next gen, he has probably put his stamp on it and he is off to his next thing. Um, and so this is like a super normal time for everyone to move around and for, for everybody who we haven't seen reemerge yet, I'm sure we'll start seeing them reemerge in the next few months. Um, so it's just, you know, it's an interesting time to watch people move, but it's also an interesting time to see people who have shaped these massive franchises like Gears and Red Dead Redemption and GTA go somewhere else on the cusp of a generation change and start shaping something new. Um, I also want to say that uh, I think a lot of people are going to look at something like this and expect big changes like immediately mm -hmm. and it, people need to remember that it, these these companies are massive ships and just because you start turning the wheel doesn't mean that ship's gonna turn all that quickly right these things take a lot of time to reorient um so like you know i remember i worked at nintendo when when doug bowser started um and i remember really seeing even before Doug Bowser started, a lot of the changes in internal attitudes for marketing that we really didn't start to see happen until around when the switch was hitting, um, you know, and I, I do think Doug Bowser was a major driver in that, but he even started, what was that, a year, year and a half before the switch launched, before like marketing was actually being produced um, for the switch and for Nintendo games, and that used to be a major weak point for Nintendo, and they've really gotten much better at uh that sort of thing um we know that they did a major uh nintendo did this major reorganization of its internal development teams and kind of let miyamoto be a little more hands-off and put like shinya takahashi a little bit more directly hands-on with game development and we're seeing we're just from an attitude like a game development attitude um a lot of nintendo's games this generation have been uh very different in their approach um, and a little bit like they, they've been hitting that wider appeal much better than they were before. And I'm sorry to stick on Nintendo. It's just, it's where I work so I can speak from firsthand on that. Um, but the same thing's going to be true with like Blizzard, right? We've seen a lot of people join Blizzard and it's really funny to be like, you know, oh, well, you know that we had this f fucked up communications with Blitzchung and, and Mikey Barr is the GM of Blizzard and it's not helping. And, you know, if Rod Ferguson joins and things aren't looking clean at, um, you know, Blizzard in the next six months, you know, people are going to laugh about that. But, like, it takes time, you know, to, to totally reinvent a company's internal culture. So It does. I think we are still going to be laughing at Blizzard in six months, though. For um, sure. That's what they did. Oh, like, yeah. Sure. We're not digging into their financials today, uh, but they did have their uh, quarter four financials today. And as my, my editor, Brendan Sinclair, pointed out today, their projections for, I think, revenue for this coming fiscal year are lower than they were for this year what the fuck? Um, I I don't know. I don't know what that means. Like they said that they have a Call of Duty coming out, but like, like uh, Rod Ferguson's going over there to work on Diablo Four. Diablo Four ain't coming this year. It no. might be coming next year if we're lucky. Um, I, I there there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there if you feel like it. But yeah, it Rod Rod Ferguson is going there, presumably to help close like like get get that damn game shipped, because that's something that he's very good at. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it's it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Justin, 
Yeah, kind of piggybacking off of uh, what Reb was saying. Yeah, like Rod Ferguson has, like, he has this um, industry perception of being the closer producer. Yeah. Like, he is the person that they called in to get Bioshock Infinite done <laughs> because yeah. that game was just kind of spinning its wheels for a long, long time. Uh, and, like, also last year at BlizzCon, um, Blizzard made a statement that was like, oh, Diablo 4 is going to be a long time, even by our standards. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, the fact that they called in Rod Ferguson on that, like, they were like, no, nervous. that's not acceptable. <laughs> um, but at least, like, he's somebody that probably can have a good impact on at least the development pipeline for a game that's probably two plus years out. Yeah. Um, if that... Um, although I do think Dan Hauser leaving is interesting. I don't really, I'm not, you know, as attached GTA or that one's weird Rockstar, like, especially since he had been on like an extended leave, it really kind of yeah. reminds me of the Bruce Straley situation from when he was it at Naughty like Dog. Sounds like he went on leave right after Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. yeah. It like, like what it, it's, yeah, it sounded like he went on leave right after Red Dead came out and like. I remember what happened with Bruce Straley is he directed Uncharted 2, Last of Us, and Uncharted 4, back to back, and then went on leave for a year and then took I off. Just wanna, I just want to point out, this is my weird, like, conspiracy theory about this, but, so, Dan Hauser is not known for doing a lot of interviews anyway, mm -hmm. um, so it, it was not surprising when he hadn't, like, done any interviews in the last, like, year and a half, whatever. Um, but the last interview he did was the one, and I do not remember which outlet it was, but it was the one where he dropped that line about, oh, yeah, we were working 100-hour weeks. And then... Oh, was um, that? Yeah, that, that was Dan? I, I gotta brag a little bit. Our outlet was the one who was like, wait, why did no one call him on that 100-hour <laughs> weeks thing? And we pulled that quote out. I think it was uh, my UK editor, James Batchelor. And he was like, Rockstar guy says 100-hour weeks. And that blew up. And then everybody was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then he had to clarify. And his clarification was honestly not that great. It was, it wasn't everybody. It was just me and the other three writers on our team. And that's the last we heard of that guy. That was in October of 2018. And then the, the IR thing that they filed said that he let, he t went on leave in spring of 2019. So that would have been, and then Red Dead Redemption 2 launched uh, like six months later. So that would have been probably about when the writing would have been done. Mm -hmm. And I just, I wonder if that poor man burnt the fuck out. Like that's yeah, that's I my mean, weird conspiracy theory. I wonder if he is just is just fucking. I wouldn't call out. that a conspiracy theory. That's just a, a decent. <laughs> I mean, that's theory. What, that's what I was saying. Like with the Straley comparison, yeah. that dude got fried. Uh, Jeff. Uh, yeah, no, I just wanted to chime. Yeah, I, I wish I could talk more. I wish our boy Zach was here because Zach is yeah. our Gears of War. That man breathes Gears of War. He does. Uh, I'm sad yeah, that he's Rod like, Rod leaving is big yeah. for that series because like he has been like the gears cheerleader since the beginning and did wonders for four and five i mean four yeah. was was a good change to the franchise and five was incredible five was 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 far better than i was expecting it to be last year so um, i guess i'll just add to one more thing that i wanted to say about dan hauser is i think and this, this is something like a bunch of people smarter than me are saying too um so i can't really take credit for it but i think uh, so today was also Take-Two's financial call. Sorry, again, I, like, obsessed over these all day. Um, and a lot of, like, I asked Strauss Zelnick about this. A bunch of investors asked him about this. A bunch of other reporters asked him about this. Everyone wants to know what what's the deal with Dan Hauser. He's not talking, obviously. Um, but I think something that's interesting is his his line on this is, one, Sam Hauser's staying. Like, he is really adamant Sam Hauser's not leaving. 
uh, which I, I don't know what you're meant to make of that, but I feel like there's something there that we're meant to make of it. I just don't know what. Um, but the other thing is he keeps making a point. He's like, well, Dan Hauser's been go- technically gone since spring of 2019, and we just had an amazing year. Like, you know, Grand Theft Auto reached all these milestones. Like, it had the best holiday quarter ever. Everything's selling great. And he's just, like, talking about all these great things that happened without Dan Hauser there. And I I don't quite buy that line because Dan Hauser's influence is, I mean, I don't know how much influence he has over like DLC and shit, but his thing is writing these campaigns for yeah. these big new Rockstar releases like GTA and, and Red Dead Redemption and I believe Bully and some of the others. Like, like that's his thing. And I don't think you can point to a year where you did not have a major release and say, look, we're doing fine without him. Because that's not, I mean, he does many things, I'm sure, but that's not like his big signature stamp. And like, so I'm very him being gone since spring doesn't mean that his influence is not shit. a big driver for all that sales they're pointing to, right? Yeah. That's right. a good like, point, I, Reb. I yeah, think like, it's going to be, and also he, th- those things again, the, like that big casino update was probably the, the fundamentals of it were probably done by the time he left. Yeah. Um, they've mostly been coasting for the rest of the year. Yeah. I, I think it'll be very interesting to see what Rockstar has for the next generation and what it does without uh, Dan Hauser there. Jeff. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's basically where I was going. Uh, what Reb said. Um, like, like I said, I wish Zach was here to talk coalition, um, but I, I wanted to talk about Dan Hauser. Like, like Reb said, um, like I'm really, again, Grand Theft Auto Five and Red Dead Redemption Two are like two of my favorite games of the generation. I have like hundreds of hours in, in GTA Five, and you know, I, there's tons of criticisms you can read about the Grand Theft Auto series, and most of them are completely valid. Uh, but I think the success of all these games, regardless of how people feel about them individually, it, I think there's a very fine line that Rockstar has walked. Sometimes they've crossed over it, but for the most part, I think. So, whether it's the satire in Grand Theft Auto and some of the more controversial elements, or whether it's the uh, really quality dialogue and writing in Red Dead Redemption, I feel like both of these series could have gone the wrong direction in a lot of ways, more than just the writing and the gameplay as well. Uh, I mean, certainly people had their issues with tediousness in Red Dead Redemption. Um, but the thing that I've heard, and I just have to trust, is that uh, Leslie Benzies and the two Hauser brothers are... As much as the studio is giant and made up of tons of very talented people, the Hausers and Benzies, for the most part, for the last two decades, have driven the writing and the design in these games and what these games are. And like Reb said, I'm really curious to see, you know, even if Sam sticks around or maybe he leaves uh, not too far long from now, how Strauss that affects... says he's fucking not. Yeah, um, but I'm we just because ha- <laughs> Benzie's been gone for a while too, hasn't he? He, was, he left, I think, er, or midway through Red Dead Redemption two, maybe at least a year or two before it fit, shipped. And I thought, I honestly thought that was a bad sign. It the product seemed to turn out fine, but I'm curious to see at some point these departures are going to be felt. And you know, again, not to downplay the the talented writers they have on the teams, but um. I, I just say this is the closest I see to their maybe winning streak being in jeopardy. Uh, I'm really curious to see what the next generation of games look like from them. Same. I, I am also kind of interested to see if this is connected to... There was a report recently that Take-Two is pushing Rockstar to kind of speed up their development cycles, which could be bad given what we know about the workload at Rockstar. <laughs> Um, but I almost wonder if that is, you know, a part of it. If one, you know, maybe like Dan didn't want to commit to this faster schedule or 
Actually, yeah. what it, what I saw some people spec again speculation um, is that you know, and it makes sense since they were basically the founders of the company uh, or there from the start. Is the Housers were responsible for a lot of the culture mm-hmm. within the studio and within the company. It doesn't mean that they leave and it's gone because it's now ingrained yeah. in everyone else. But you know, maybe one or both of them leaving could be the start of a shift, a small tiny shift. I did see. Uh, I. I'm ballparking here. I cannot remember. I feel like I saw Jason Schreier tweeting or retweeting something today from someone who would know that was basically implying that the culture there has eased up somewhat in the last like year or so for various reasons. Dan stepping away probably would have been one uh, Kotaku writing, you know, after again, after the thing we talked about with the 100 hour work weeks, Kotaku got a hold of it and went in and did, here's what crunch culture is at Rockstar. And it wasn't great. And I, I feel like it, the conversation kind of died after that, but I have seen little bits and pieces there that things may have improved at least somewhat. The thing that makes me kind of skeptical of that report, though, is like, they're like, oh, yeah, things have died down. It's like, yeah, because they finally shipped the game. Right, yeah. Like, like I mean, those reports were all from, like, the last, like, year of de- year year <laughs> and a half of development, whereas, yeah. you know, now they're in the pre-production stage, you know, presumably for their next project which isn't going to be when people you know (laughs) crunch like that so that's the one thing that i am skeptical about that obviously i would love to be wrong and for there to be like a an actual shift in the culture but we'll see yeah so does anybody else have anything else on hauser ferguson i believe i am out of takes good luck everybody (laughs) yeah okay yeah, good good luck with whatever. May everybody they end make up more doing. good games. Yeah. Um, or sleep, whatever. Or how yeah, Hauser might just be chilling. <laughs> I hope Hauser has a nice and nap. And be good to yeah. people who work under you, you know? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. all I can ask. All right. So, um up next we have hot topic in the gaming community right now about cloud gaming, streaming, um, that sort of thing. So uh, this week, there's two kind of major um, things that we wanted to touch on. One, uh, GeForce Now um, has launched as kind of a main competitor to Stadia. Um, and Phil Spencer also made a comment that, uh, you know, they no longer consider, you know, in the cloud gaming, uh, they consider cloud gaming to be a key part of where they're competing. And they don't think that PlayStation or Nintendo is who they're competing against in that space. They think they're competing against Amazon and Google. Um, Jeff, do you kind of want to, you know, get, yeah. give some more of the nitty gritty details of some of these things? Because I know I know you were sure. following this pretty closely. Yeah. So I'll, um, I guess I'll 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 just kind of go over both of them, and then we can talk about both because they tie together very nicely. So. Um, Phil Spencer, from what I can tell, I actually have the source article here. So I think everyone's pulling it from this uh, protocol.com interview. Um, And it doesn't say that he was talking specifically about cloud gaming. What it says is, um, for gaming veteran Microsoft, the big change this year is in who it considers to be its big competitors. In the fall, Microsoft will square off once again uh, with traditional rival Sony as each introduces new game consoles, the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5. But Microsoft Spencer says he doesn't consider Sony and Nintendo his main competition anymore, largely because neither of those Japanese co- Japanese companies own top-end global cloud infrastructure akin to Microsoft's Azure platform. Uh, one of Microsoft's main selling points in the new Xbox will be integration with xCloud technology meant to allow you to play the same game across a console, console desktop PC, and a mobile device. Uh, so what Phil said is when you talk about Nintendo and Sony, 
we have a ton of respect for them, but we see Amazon and Google as our main competitors going forward. That's not to disrespect Nintendo and Sony, but the traditional gaming companies are somewhat out of position moving forward. I guess they could try to recreate Azure, but we've invested tens of billions of dollars in the cloud over the years. So, um, so Jeff, I just want to yeah. I just want to comment on something that I haven't seen people mention, and I'm shocked that Phil didn't mention it in that thing when talking about mm -hmm. the Azure cloud gaming thing. PlayStation already announced that they're going to be using Azure for their future iterations of PlayStation Now. Mm -hmm. Like, like it seems like the sort of thing that he would want to talk about, like, you know, when saying, hey, we don't think we're competing with them, you know, mm -hmm. because, you know, we're actually working together on this. Like, I don't know. It just seems very odd that that has been left out of this conversation. Yeah, Derek. Yeah. I have so very cynical take. He's fully aware of that probably. But the thing is, no such service has really been announced at this point. And it is technically true that at least for the foreseeable future, PlayStation is not going to have a comparable streaming service, um, you know, or at least not one that the public will know about and care about to talk about in this news cycle. Um, so I think that it's uh, it's it's being a touch disingenuous because I also don't I don't agree and I don't believe even he agrees with the idea that that Sony and Nintendo aren't competitors <laughs> yeah. because the actual internal understanding at most of these companies is that everyone is your competition. Netflix is your competition because you're competing for time and Netflix can take somebody's time away from playing your games just as much as another game company can. So everybody is your competitor. And he knows that it's, it's, <laughs> it's not like a, like a thing to be mad about, but he's just playing a, a PR game right now. And yeah. I wouldn't take it that seriously. Grab, so, grab. so I think I would disagree partially. Sure. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that just because we haven't heard anything about it yet, that that means that Sony's not doing any kind of cloud thing immediately at launch. I don't, I don't know. I okay. genuinely do not know. I think an interesting, so, so Microsoft lost this most recent console war. I mean, for, for whatever, like in, however you want to interpret that they did, like they didn't sell that many Xboxes. They have decided, and, and Phil Spencer and everybody there have made it like fairly clear. They are not, they are no, they no longer care. I mean, they do care. But their, their focus is no longer to sell a shit ton of Xboxes. That is not what this is about going to the next generation. They are focused on taking Microsoft products and taking the, the idea of Xbox, the whole brand of Xbox, and putting it on fucking everything. Putting it on mobile, putting it on PC, putting it on the consoles because people do still want consoles. Putting it on Switch if they have to. Like, just getting it out there. And so I think that's maybe at least some of the sense that they're, he's making this comment in, in that he's not trying to compete with Sony or Nintendo to sell a bunch of consoles because he can just put his shit on either of those consoles and <laughs> it's not a competition. You're working together at that point. Um, but I think one of the other things that Microsoft has had to do as a result of kind of losing this most recent console war, again, the console wars are stupid, but you know what I mean, um, is that he has had to be, because Sony is in such an advantageous position, Microsoft has had to be super proactive about getting itself out there and getting its ideas and getting its brand out there ahead of this next console generation. For the last like fucking year and a half, two years, every single show we have been to, somebody there has wanted to talk to our site about Xbox Game Pass. 
They want to talk the fuck up about Xbox Game Pass. They will not shut up about Xbox Game Pass. They take every opportunity to talk about cloud and talk about services and talk yeah. about subscriptions and talk well, about all these things that they're doing currently as sort of like a ramping up for when they go all in next generation. Sony doesn't have to do that. Sony already won. They are going to come out with whatever it is they're going to come out with with this PS5, and it could very well have all this or it could have none of it. But Microsoft has kind of needed to sort of like get a running start at this next thing that they're going to be doing because if both of them just showed up with none of this kind of prep time and showed off their new consoles i think sony would be an advantage just by virtue of the fact that so many people already have ps4s and they're already pretty happy with them but i think because xbox has kind of worked really hard to get this good word of mouth there are a lot of people going huh they've got this cloud thing they've got this game pass thing that's actually really fucking good like i keep getting these free cards for it and i i keep staying subscribed because it's good um, and it's got, you know, all these things and it's got this potential with this, with these cloud services, right? Like they, I'm pretty sure they've said at this point that they're going to pair whatever they do in the cloud with streaming with Xbox Game Pass somehow. Yeah. Um, so when you have all that and you, ha we already have this idea in our head of all this cool shit that Microsoft might be doing, like they kind of already have an advantage in my brain and it's going to be a little bit harder for Sony to shatter that when they show up with whatever their console is, even if they're not technically competitors. And uh, I wanted to jump back really quickly to, um, you know, what we said. Uh, yes, Sony and Microsoft did make um, some sort of agreement uh, to share for Sony to leverage some of their Azure technology. I, I don't want to say specifically what it was. I feel like the full scope of that agreement wasn't really detailed. But the other thing is when you talk about competitors, someone else having the same thing that you have doesn't necessarily mean they're a competitor. Uh, it, cloud gaming isn't just like buy some Azure servers and go. Right, it's how you use it, how you integrate it into your own platform, and the fact is, Microsoft has proven that they're serious about this. They put out things that work and work well. Sony has PlayStation Now, which is, uh, it it works. It's fine. Uh, they just recently killed PlayStation View, which was like their TV as well. But like basically, they haven't shown that they're serious about this, right? Mm -hmm. And whether whatever agreements they make, whatever technology they're using, um, their network infrastructure, their download speeds are a constant complaint from people. Uh, and their services that they put out to date uh, aren't competitive with what Microsoft is offering. And that might change, but we haven't seen anything to indicate it yet. So as of right now, I think Phil's kind of on the mark that they're doing great with their single-player AAA story games, but they, they haven't really got to the next level in all the other categories that they need to. See, I, I, I'm very convinced that once they start talking, like, because they've been on marketing silence for a long time now, I... I'm like I'm still pretty convinced that PlayStation Now is going to kind of be rebranded as more of a Game Pass like service this year. Um I think I'd be they're going to start that did not happen. Oh yeah, I I think they're going to start talking about the future of their streaming platform soon. I think they're going to start talking more about, you know, service-based stuff for PlayStation 5. I think they're just on such radio silence right now that it's, you know, tough to tough to say anything, but like the other end of that is Microsoft talks a lot. Like it's not like Sony isn't aware of all the stuff that Microsoft is doing. Like Microsoft has made it very clear for the past couple of years what direction they're going. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how that, you know, pans out. I would also suggest that Microsoft is probably more aware than we are of what Sony is doing though too. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not These fully aware, know but... very well what each other is doing. Yeah. 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 Um, um so Jeff, do you kind of want to talk a little bit about GeForce now? Um I know we talked kind of about you know, the, the Phil Spencer comments are a bit, you know, 
exciting and debatable. But uh, GeForce Now is actually really interesting, and I want to hear some about it. Yeah, I'll just give a high-level overview. I haven't had a chance to dig super deep into it. Um, really? I so, did. Yeah, so maybe Reb can elaborate. Oh, basically, okay. I didn't, I, sorry, Reb, I didn't realize you had checked it out. Um, basically, GeForce <laughs> Now is NVIDIA's streaming service. It's been around for a long time in beta. Uh, it just officially launched, so they have two tiers, a free tier and a paid tier for like five bucks a month. Um, it works on Mac OS, Windows, uh, NVIDIA Shield devices, so that's their Shield portable gaming device. And they also have a Shield TV, which is basically like an Apple TV. It's like a stick, basically, that you plug into your um, TV. And it also works on Android phones. It does support uh, DualShock 4 controllers, so PlayStation controllers, Microsoft Xbox controllers, and other third-party gamepads. Um, unlike Stadia, it leverages existing libraries. So you can tie it into Steam, uh, I think Epic Library, uh, basically some of your existing storefronts that you already own games on. I think they're all PC storefronts. Um, you can sign into them, and you have access to some of your games from those. Uh, so it has that advantage over Stadia where you don't necessarily have to rebuy every game, but it still isn't what some people want, which is like you subscribe for a certain amount of month and it gives you games. So I don't know, maybe Reb wants to expand on that a little bit. No, I mean, you you mostly covered it. Yeah. So it, it, the limitations right now is so it, it just launched like very recently. Like like Jeff said, it's been in beta for a while. Um, it just recently launched. Uh, the, the limitations are kind of interesting. Um Whereas Stadia, you just, the, the thing that Stadia has on it is with Stadia, you buy the game and then you just fucking play it and that's like it. Um, the thing about NVIDIA GeForce, as far as I understand it, is um, you do have queues in that one. Um, and if you're playing, you, so there's a free version of it. Um, and if you're, if you're using the free version, then you might have to wait in line to basically get access to like a server or whatever. I don't quite understand how that technology works. Um, or, um, and what, then once you start playing, you play for an hour and then you're kind of like kicked to the back of the line. And you have to like wait again. You, if it's busy, you might have to wait again. But then if you pay $5 a month, then you get priority in line and you get like, I think up to six hour sessions and you get infinite sessions too. Like you can just keep requeuing. But like, I, I, I don't quite understand that. I was going to ask about the, yeah, the session. Cause like the, the paid one, it says extended sessions, like it's in the bowl. Hours. I was like, what is, okay. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure it's six hours. Um, okay. That's decent. Um, but then they're both, I think they're both like uh 60 FPS, uh 1080p, like, um, and yeah, it, it leverages your library. Again, there are like some limitations, like you can't, it doesn't have every game on there. It has like a bunch of the really popular ones, basically. Like it, if you're, if you're trying to play like some weird ass obscure indie game in the cloud, you're probably not going to find it, but, um, it has all the popular ones. It has like, I think it's touted like 30 free to play games and like a, over a thousand more on top of that. Um, and it works. Like I've, I've tried it on PC. It's, it's like perfectly functional. I mean, I don't really have too many issues with it. Also, I have a gaming PC anyway. So it sort of feels sort of stupid to have to go through that just for me personally, but also I haven't like tried it on my phone or anything, so it could conceivably be even better. But yeah, it's interesting. I, I think the thing that shocked me the most about this is how under the fucking radar it flew. It has been around since I think yeah. 2017 in some form or another, and just no one has talked about it. I, the thing that I've learned through this whole kind of year of knowing about, of, ever since we heard about Google Stadia, there are already a lot of streaming services out there. Google Stadia is not this fucking novel concept. <laughs> Actually, Google Stadia is probably like the worst of the yeah. streaming services that already exist I, right now, which is sort of funny given how m many like horns they tooted when yeah. they announced it. I think um, Stadia, sorry, Derek, I'll let you go in a you sec. Go first, um, yeah. I was just going to say, I think Stadia's big pitch, which they didn't deliver on yet, is yeah. I just want to say this is what differentiated them and why they kind of stole the thunders. 
uh, it's playing in browsers, playing on anything that supports Chrome. Yeah. Whereas something like um, the NVIDIA Shield or GeForce Now, you need either dedicated hardware or a dedicated app. Um, what Stadia is saying is you don't need an app in theory. You can just, if you have Chrome. <laughs> except in practice, browser, you do. Except, yeah, yeah, because it's not, like, they haven't finished it. It's like just a piece of, yeah. it's like a beta product. But that's, the, the vision in the end is anything that has a Chrome browser, you can play your games on. And they definitely haven't delivered on that. But right. Derek, sorry, go ahead. Oh, it's okay. I was going to say, so I've I've actually played around uh, with uh, NVIDIA's GeForce Now service before this point. Um, and my understanding every time I've dabbled with it is it's actually been an extremely limited service. Like you had to have... Uh, an NVIDIA graphics card to do it. Um, you had to, um, if I'm correct, be on the same Wi-Fi network as the PC running the games. Um, and I don't think any of that's true anymore. Yeah, and I think now yeah. what we're seeing is it, it developing into a bigger... Because, like, here's a big thing for me. I love visual novels. I don't always have time to sit in front of my computer and do visual novels and read visual novels. So I've, I've wanted forever to be able to just pull up on my tablet and pop one of these visual novels that I want to see. They're not hard. You're just advancing texts and reading. Mm -hmm. And, and it'd be a great way for me to kill time, uh, downtime at work. And, um, I've never been able to do that. And it sounds like I might be able to do that soon. Yeah. This is really, really cool. Really yeah, excited. it seems so, nice. So one thing that for the gays, <laughs> I enjoy visual novels a lot too. I, uh, but again, it's like that same thing. Is like I just don't have time to really sit down and play that. Um, but I do, I do like them. Uh, one thing that um, you know I was kind of impressed with when looking at GeForce Now is so Google when they um, you know talked about Stadia again. I'm going with the Stadia comparison, but this is just it's a good way of. I mean, it's a good way of just showing how little that they delivered on the promises like they announced the specs um and stuff of their servers for stadia games and games do not are not running at the settings that you would expect given the specs that uh google has talked about um i have a theory I, i'm not sure but i'm pretty sure it's running two instances of game of games on there so it's only using like half the power for you know per instance because the you know there's not a single game that is running like it would be with that kind of cpu and gpu if they had the full power available on stadia whereas with geforce now um somebody actually loaded up metro exodus which is available on stadia and like you can run it on with ray tracing and like higher effects and and if you stuff. already bought it on steam you yeah. just have it um, oh, sorry, on... I think that was the other thing. You have to pay to use ray tracing yes. on GeForce. It's oh, part of okay. the paid tier, yeah. Oh, it is yeah. part of the paid tier, but still. Five like, bucks a month. <laughs> but, like, that's still a major hardware feature that is res restricted to extremely expensive GPUs for yeah. a lot of people. Like, You want to drop um... $800 on a graphics card? Like... <laughs> I mean, if you want a 2080 Ti, it's still, like, 1200 bucks. Like, um... Like... And that that is, I think, a big selling point for GeForce Now is like you're actually getting games that are running at like high end PC setting instead of like with Stadia, they're sometimes running at lower settings than consoles, um, which is not what was promised. Um, so I think that is a very, very interesting 
part of that comparison. I, I also feel like NVIDIA played it smart. I feel like Google was up on a soapbox for like six months talking up Stadia, and then the product was down here. But I think NVIDIA is just kind of like, we'll just slide out what we have. And if people like it, great. And if they don't, no one's going to talk about it. Yeah. Derek, it's fine. It's I'm sorry. I'm Nobody Derek, Derek, it. Derek it's you look, back of your head. You look good. You look We're looking you always at look good. Look, you, Derek. look at it. No I one can see. No one can Derek, see that. Derek, you look, you look, you look wonderful. Why do you think I wear a hat? See it. Yeah, that was the thing, Jeff. Like I, so, so I got briefed on this mid last week. Um, it was under embargo. And it got, someone leaked it. I don't know who the fuck leaked it. Um, but uh, Patrick Klepek over at Vice got a hold of the leak and wrote, honestly, the article that everyone else wanted to write about it because, but we couldn't because we were all under embargo. But it oh. was basically this article that was like, GeForce Now just kind of came out of nowhere and it's basically what I want from Stadia. Like, it's not perfect. It's still, you know, it's got, we, we mentioned a couple of kind of the issues it has. It doesn't have a, you know, there's a lot of things that are missing on it. It's still sort of working its way through. But honestly, it's it's kind of fine. Like, if that's what you want. Like, if you are Derek and just want to pl play some visual novels on your tablet that you have on Steam already, great. If you have kind of a, you know, mediocre computer and you want to play Metro Exodus with ray tracing, you can do that. Great. Fine. Good. Technology. So, couple things just about, like, streaming. Um that I think, and like kind of building off, like, cause with GeForce now, the thing that a lot of people are excited about, it's like, hey, if I own this game, I can, I can play it. I'm, I'm sorry, Reb. Sorry, Derek, stop. I can't help it, I'm sorry. Please continue, Dustin. Uh, sorry, I just, like, I started talking and I saw Reb mouthing, stop. No, and I'm like, oh no, Derek. what'd I do? Stop. Um, sorry, Dustin. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, that's the thing that's exciting people is like, hey, if I own this game online, uh, like if I own this game already, I don't have to buy it again. Like, you know, I do with Stadia. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the thing I think is going to be the biggest strength of Microsoft's xCloud and whatever future PlayStation now takes. Because, you know, if you're already bought into that ecosystem, like if you buy a game digitally and you can like use your cloud saves, like play it and, you know, extend you know, streaming past the living room, uh, expand the, expand, ugh, sorry, extend the console past the living room. Like, it's like, you're playing your copy of the game. Uh, you're, it's your save. Yeah. Like, you know, when you're out, I can, you know, grind in destiny for a while, come home and then, you know, run a raid on my TV. Like, like, yeah, I think that now collapses tomorrow. You still have it on your steam. Account. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, I, I like think that, that is I think a lot of like market analysts and a lot of the tech people are looking at this as like a replacement for, you know, hardware at home. But I think as an extension of it is how streaming is really going to take off. Well, However, I know for me, a major thing and basically right now, none of the streaming services actually exist except for PlayStation Remote Play because they're not supported on iOS. I have a yeah. Mac uh, for my computer. I have an iPhone. Right you now... It works on Mac. Oh, it does? Yeah. Just not oh, iOS. Okay. Just not iOS. Okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, uh, but that's uh, the thing. It's like GeForce Now actually has an audience. Uh, its yeah. audience is people that have these libraries already. I want to play their games somewhere else or I don't have a strong computer. Stadia doesn't have an audience. Who is the person that wants to go buy a $60 copy of Destiny 2 that they can only play 
on Stadia only with other Stadia players. Like it, right? There's no shared library. So like, I feel like there's actually a market for this product. Yeah. Which is, again, just a smarter play. The answer to your question was like 40 people total. Yeah, it's like yeah. the remaining population of the Stadia subreddit. Because well, yeah. Stadia's not out, right? You still need the the founders thing to play it, right? Yeah. And I, th- I think you still need to wire the controller to your phone, which wasn't supposed to be how it works. And like, there's still it's it still seems like it's in early beta. I could make a um, fucking long list of the amount of things yeah. that have gone wrong with Stadia from the beginning. I think, that, I think yeah. we have. The, the, the we summary have is that that is very much an early access product that they marketed as a full launch and made people pay for as a full launch. And I believe I, if they aren't already paying for it, Google is going to pay for it. Yeah. What's our last topic, Justin? So our last topic is kind of a strange one. So, um... A couple weeks ago, um, Platinum Games got uh, some funding to be able to start doing some of their own self-publishing. And this Monday, uh, they actually announced a Kickstarter project um, that was not going to be using the funds that they got from that uh, funding. Uh, It is to bring uh, the Wii U exclusive Wonderful 101 um, from Hideki Kamiya, uh, the creator of Bayonetta, Devil May Cry, uh, director of a couple Resident Evil games, uh, very acclaimed uh, director. Um, it's a game that did not do particularly well. I mean, part of it was on the Wii U. It was on the Wii U. It it was a Wii U exclusive. Yeah, Yeah, it was a Wii U exclusive, and it was also kind of niche even for that. So it did not do well. It's a weird game. It's a very Um, weird game. It's a game I've wanted to play for a long time. I think it looks weirder than it actually is, to be honest with you. It plays like a platinum game. It's, it's, It's dressed very weird. Yeah. But, um, so they announced, um, a Kickstarter for a remaster project, and I believe about uh, fifty-five thousand, or it was fifty-five or sixty-six thousand, to confirm a Switch port that would come out, I think, in April. Yeah. Um, and it's then done. it's fucking done. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, it was very clear that this is something that they just like needed. a formality. Right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. they needed to get some support to be able to prove to get it to market somehow. Yeah, they need um, like the money for like PR and public. And then I think I think it was about a, about 500,000 for a PC port and then a million for a PS4 port. How and much for an Xbox couple... port, Justin? No. Oh, that, <laughs> there's there's no Xbox port. No. That is not one of the stretch goals. There there <laughs> there are stretch goals that are like a new 2D game and like, stuff with the soundtrack. There, there's no Xbox. Uncancel uh, scale bounded, you fuckers can have one <laughs> Um I would love but, if scale bound is just an unlockable mode. Like Camilla, in the game. Camilla it's blocked just one Microsoft level. on Twitter. Like. There's like stretch goals on there that yeah, Camille. There there like was a stretch goal if you Twitter, paid forty or he'll bucks. Unblock everybody that he's ever blocked. Didn't, didn't he say he in blocked. an interview that Xbox would be a stretch goal? I have not I mean it's not there not yet and it's it right now. it's all I think it's all like over one and a half million or something like that. There's still no Xbox uh, um, tier on uh, there. So, Um, but yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting project because, you know, Platinum is a small studio that has had some struggles and some not, you know, and some games that have done very well, but then they also got big funding 
recently, yet they also had to do a Kickstarter for this. But it's clear that, you know, this port was probably mostly done because there's no way they can port it for the amounts of money that they were doing. Um, currently, uh, it is, it's well over a million at this point. I think it's Absolutely. almost at the 1.5 million mark, which was the last stretch goal that I saw. Um, so it is coming to Switch, PS4, and PC. Um, Why just, do so many people want this game? I mean, I, I I don't want to diss on Wonderful 101. I have not personally played it. I understand why there might be a reasonable amount of people who would want this game. I hear it is, like, reasonably well-regarded. The people who played it generally liked it. There has kind of been a, sort of a push for a while to be like, hey, we should get Wonderful 101 on the Switch. Like... I get why there's, like, people who want this, but why are there, like, $1 million worth of people that want well, this? This is very it's weird It's a platinum me. game that nobody got to play. It's a platinum game by Hideki Kamiya with really good word of mouth from everyone who played it. Like, nobody disliked it. And nobody got to play it. And nerds <laughs> will put out a lot of money for platinum games. They have really, really, like, put themselves in this position as like the nerd's favorite developer whether yeah. they've totally earned it or not like i'm going to get just, hate mail wild. for saying that this is wild to me and this we know like gamers have a big fomo like they hate the idea of like i have all these platinum games and there's this one that i can't play but the other yeah. thing is if you look at the kickstarter i think the actual amount of backers is like 22,000 so like i mean i know almost 2 million sounds like a big number but then still there's only 22,000 people that have pledged to support this game which like isn't a huge number. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I just, I think it's one of the cases of a very loud, small group of people. They're basically pre-purchasing the game. It's 22,000 yeah. people pre-purchasing the game. Like, yeah. you know. And so like, here's my actual concern. Okay. Go ahead, Rev. <laughs> Here, here's my actual concern with Wonderful 101 and kind of, kind of why I wanted to talk about it because it, it's one of those things that like, I can't really write an article about this like at the moment but also like i don't want to just like go off on twitter about it but even though i kind of have already so um back in so a lot of the interviews that came out uh recently about wonderful 101 when the kickstarter launched were done back in like the fall late summer or something like that they were done they were done a while back like at an event um and during in one of those interviews uh one of the ones with jimatsu um Kamiya said that just kind of offhand comment, not really a big deal, that uh, Dangan Publishing was helping them with the game. Didn't say specifically what they were doing, just Dangan Publishing is helping with the game. Fine. Extremely normal comment to make, whatever. Um, however, after that interview was conducted um, in late November and December, um, there it came out. Um, I, I mean, this is like a weird thing to sort. I, I'm not like trying to brag about this, but I did write like a pretty extensive report on this. It's over at gamesindustry.biz. It's worth reading if you're not aware of this. Um, about how Dingen Publishing had had a lot of a lot of bad stuff going on. Um, it's it's a pretty long report. Some of it is uh, bad business. Uh, they were treating indie developers uh, very poorly. Um, those those concerns are still not resolved. There are still two indie developers that are currently in like a state of conflict with Dingen Publishing, who do not have full ownership of their games and are still own, owed money. And I have checked in with them, and they're still in that situation right now. Um, and Jeff, do you, do you want me to stop? Oh. Yeah, no, finish. It's fine. Okay. Um, and then the other big thing was that their CEO, uh, Ben Judd, had gotten up to a lot of just really deeply inappropriate behavior. Um, everything from, like, exposing himself at, like, industry networking events um, to kind of harassing abusive behavior towards a former partner. Um, just a lot of really, really gross stuff. Um, and so the, the end result of all this is came out, um, you know, we reported on it. U.S. Gamer reported on it. Several other people reported on it. Um, it came out, and uh, a bunch of people 
uh, cut ties with Benjed. Uh, so he got he got ousted from Dangan. Um, he got kicked out of a whole bunch of the other things he was sp- supposedly in charge of. And it seemed like it had a good resolution, except for the part where Dangan was still treating its indie developers kind of badly, and that's still not resolved, right? So there's just there's kind of just this weird like feeling about them working with Dangan right now, um, w- partially because they're being a little bit cagey about it. Um, so Dangan is not mentioned in the Kickstarter on their partners page anywhere. They're not listed. and Well, not their partners page. There's like a little staff column where they talk about like some yeah. of the people they're partnering with, like Fangamer and stuff to do this, whatever. They don't mention Dangan. And a bunch of people apparently asked them if they were still working with Dangan because, again, it was in the Jamatsu interview that came out. And they kind of did, it was in the uh, FAQ on their, because every Kickstarter has their FAQ, and they were like, everybody that we're partnered with is on, is in our staff listing or whatever. But Dangan's not there. And yet, Jamatsu pointed out that Dangan was the one who sent them the press release to announce this Kickstarter. So we know for sure that Dangan is still working on that because PRs don't just send out press releases for games they're not working on. Yeah. So it's just weird like that everybody's being sort of cagey about this. And I, I, I've been kind of poking into it. And there's a document that's gone around Twitter that some people are saying proves that Ben Judd is still working there. Uh, it doesn't... It doesn't prove it in a way that I can report on it as a journalist. It's not verifiable enough that I can use that. And it's just, everything's just fuzzy enough. And so, like, it's very frustrating because it seems like they have a publishing partner on this that is being very cagey and very not great in its relationships. Um, And it seems like they kind of know about it. Yeah, but it also could just be that Platinum saw everything go down in December and is like, we have an obligation to them. We have a contract to fulfill. We don't want to be super loud about it because they had all this shit go down, but we got to finish what we started. Yeah, because so, I... Yeah, that's, that's the whole thing with Dang, and that's why people were upset about that. Because I was also wondering if maybe this was, like, money that they needed to pay Dangan to, like, to get the code, and then they could do something with it or something, like... Wait, what are you asking? Like, I if the Kickstarter, like, is to, like, basically, like, buy out like dangan's part of the contract or something like oh no i don't i don't think that quite lines up this I think... stuff ought to be really clear we shouldn't have to be guessing about yeah. this yeah. stuff right like no i think there's enough stuff going on that they do need them like they, they do need the money to actually like publish the game uh to yeah. do like the physical physical copies to do like some of the other things and fifty thousand is not a high number yeah um really at all the other numbers are reasonably high because they actually have to do ports um but fifty thousand is not a high number i don't i don't think it's quite as direct as that but i just it's just weird enough that it's got me raising my eyebrows and kind of worried that there's something else going on Mm -hmm. jeff uh what you wanted to add something uh yeah i was just gonna ask um reb kind of covered it i was gonna ask about the the document that went out it was basically uh, claimed to be some sort of official document, uh, I think in Japanese, um, mm-hmm. and it listed Ben. It was dated January 6, twenty twenty, and it's still listed Ben Judd as the director. Um, but I'm guessing, Rab, you just couldn't verify the document. Um, I actually talked to. We have um, we have a contributing editor um, who's based in Japan. He mostly just submits an editorial every week, but he also has some experience with like businesses, and he's fluent in Japanese. Um, so I and he and he's a business writer. So I I taught, and he's been out there for several years. So he like understands Japanese business law better than I do. Um, so I I reached out to him, and kind of the conclusion that we came to is that. The, the date on it, January 6th, is not the date it was filed. It's the date that the Osaka, like, whatever government office has a hold of that, basically pulled it 
And oh, okay. it was done like at 8.30 a.m. And his his conclusion was basically it got pulled immediately after the Christmas holiday. And all of the Ben Judd shit went down right before the Christmas yeah. holiday. Oh, and okay. so like it's it is entirely possible that he is still there. And there's it's, it's really hard to prove a negative. Mm-hmm. If like in two months those records get pulled again and he's still listed. Yeah, that's fucked up. But it's both possible. It, it could be that, yeah, he is still there and this is fucked up. Or it could also be that they just are a small company filing records late and this is just kind of a holdover for when he was still in charge. It just doesn't, it doesn't prove or disprove anything necessarily. Yeah. And I guess my other question was actually about your article. Um, I, I didn't get to read it like every single word, but I, I skimmed it pretty thoroughly. And the impression I got was that most of the bad stuff with Dangan was Ben Judd, or, but you it sounds like you're saying there was other stuff unrelated to him that the company was kind of, because I was, when I read it, I, the vibe I got was like, Ben Judd bad, and now he's gone and everything's good, but that's not the case. Yeah, kind of the ongoing thing. There's two games that are sort of still in limbo. Uh, one of them is, uh, uh, it's from Protoculture Games. It's called Devil Engine. Uh, the other one is Fight Night. That's from Sorcero. Um, they, uh, the, the problems with them are both different, so it's hard to sort of summarize them. But essentially, there, there are some very low-level issues that are just like, oh, they communicated very badly or they said they would do something and then they didn't. And that that's why a lot of the stuff that's why that part was kind of short because there there was a whole big document like kind of exposing all their bad business shit and a lot of that was you know kind of bad like unprofessional really not great but not like fucking expose them on a video game journalism site like it was it wasn't quite to the level that i was Mm -hmm, able to do that um but some of it was actually bad um there there were a lot of issues with them uh withholding royalties or being cagey about how much how much in royalties they actually owed them um and at this point those developers are still claiming that they haven't received money that they are still owed um and then the other issue is right now uh the fight night developers uh currently have full ownership of their game um but dangan is still listing it on their page and fight night has said take it down you're not working with us anymore uh but dangan is not doing that uh dangan has left it on their page and it's it seems like a small thing, but when you're not working with someone and you're still claiming their your partner on your public page, that's an issue. And then the issue with uh, Devil Engine is that Dangan has the rights to that, and they own like the Steam page and the Switch page right now, like the eShop page. And Protoculture can't get it back because Dangan is like asking them for money that Protoculture says they don't owe them. So there's this conflict going on with who owes who money, and the developers are saying that Dangan is being shitty about it, and that conflict is not getting resolved because the developers are so small, they can't, like, really hire, and they don't have access to their games, so they can't really hire lawyers to go to bat for them. So, um, and I guess just my last question then, like, aside from the fact that we just maybe don't like that a company with this kind of asterisk with them is associated with the product, who's at risk here then? Is it, are we worried about Platinum and Wonderful 101, or is there, like, a risk to the actual people, like, backing the game? What's no, the... I don't think, I don't think anybody... I think people like... just don't want to support Dangan. Yeah, like... yeah and I also I mean, I think the other thing is this. I presume that they are already locked into some kind of contract where no matter what, Platinum was going to have to go go forward and work with Dangan. I don't think this was a thing where they could just cut ties because Dangan had a skill. Yeah. Um, I do think that this is the kind of thing um, that could give Dangan a shit ton of money. And like, like th- this is a good deal for Dangan to have a part of um, financially. And so if Dangan has not gotten its house in order and is not taking care of its developers. And this is the kind of thing that's going to give them a lot more money and a lot more, uh, I guess, notoriety and a lot more ability to continue working with more developers and potentially to continue, you know, doing things that aren't great. And so I don't, I mean, I don't, 
this isn't the kind of thing where I'm like, yeah, don't fucking support Wonderful 101. Like, it's great. Go enjoy your game. It's fine. But it's just one of those things that it's it's annoying and, and very cagey and, and fuzzy. And it's also very difficult because so much of this is in Japan, where everything is very locked down. It's very hard to get access to anything, both because we're all the way across the dang ocean, but also, and there's a language barrier, but also just because things are much tighter ships there. And so it's just... It's just a very frustrating situation. My worry is not for Platinum or for like anybody currently involved with the situation, but for future developers who kind of end up on board somehow through this and maybe end up in trouble as well. I don't think that's fair. But I don't think there's anything we can do about it. Yeah, I think it, this is kind of frustrating too because like, you know, obviously I love Platinum. I don't know that I need to double dip on Wonderful 101, but like if I really wanted to, you know, this would be a thing that would give me pause, uh, which is not to say I'm here to shame people who, who decide that they want to get Wonderful 101 anyway, but, like, yeah. there's that asterisk there, and that's a thing that bothers me. Um, and, and it's it kind of sucks, too, because this is the first of a thing going on uh, where, where Platinum has their, their Platinum 4 uh, going on, where they've got four, four big announcements, uh, presumably four big projects that they want to talk about, and, and the Wonderful 101 uh, remaster was the first of those. And it's like, okay, if is it possible Dangan's tied up in all four of these, maybe? Oh, like, I hope not. We don't really know. Platinum works with everybody at this point, you know? So the, the common thread is Platinum. But I would really like for the common thread to not be Platinum plus Dangan Entertainment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. and you're right, though. It like, sucks because they're kind of, if they made this this deal before all this broke out, they're kind of locked into it, you know? Yeah. Because that gives yeah. them, that gives Dangan more legitimacy. And yeah. that gives them, that gives them more energy and more resources. And I, and, and mo some of my concerns go away. If in the next couple months I find out that Dangan has made things right with these small developers and if the, if the business forums from Japan come out and yeah, Ben Judd's gone, then I'll be like, you know what? Good job. You got your house in order. Okay, fine. We can move forward. But right yeah. now everybody is just being so weird about it. It's just, it's just enough where I'm like, guys, I nice. don't know. Yeah. It, this is just a bummer for me because like, I never had a Wii U and Wonderful 101 is one of the games I wanted to play the most on it. And so like, I've been waiting for a remaster announcement for this game for a really long time. And um, it just sucks that there's this asterisk on it. Like, I mean, I'm probably still going to buy the game. By not like, buying it, you are not hurting dang it. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've already got yeah. what they're going to get out of yeah. this, unfortunately. Yeah, but, um, Derek, what's your favorite saying? There's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Yeah, there's, there is no ethical consumption <laughs> in capitalism. You own yeah. shoes that were made with slave labor in, a, in yeah. India or China. You know, Absolutely. there's no way around that. Your smartphone, uh, people killed themselves over the working conditions in those factories. <laughs> There's, Slave labor probably made parts that are in our video game consoles. Yeah. I write about it every year. Exactly. There's 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 only so much we can do. We can't be held fully moral, morally responsible for every choice we make under the system. And that's why we have so much respect for our reporters and journalists who yes. continue to dig deep and expose them. Fuck yeah. All right. Um. Well, on it that note, really that's... funny on my screen because you're just doing that to the wall. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it um, to you on the stream layout. Uh, yeah. yeah, you're you're facing the complete opposite direction <laughs> on my right. screen. Um, so uh, just a few things that we want to touch on before we get going tonight. Uh, several of us are going to be at PAX East. I am going to be there. John is going to be there. Finn is going to be there. 
Derek is going to be there, and Reb is going to be there. Um, we have our own panel about uh, where a lot of people are going to fight about the Final Fantasy spinoffs. I think it's more that John's going to fight everybody else. Yeah, probably. But... What, what, that's um, 6 p.m. on the On the first Thursday. Thursday, yep. Yeah, so... what? Sorry, I have to get my calendar. I'm sorry. Uh, 6 p.m. on Thursday, February 27th. So, uh... If if you're going to PAX, please Very come nice. by. Um, we will all, we will all be there. Um, I think we're going to try to also schedule a meetup. So if you guys are there and want to see us, um, don't want to go to the panel or can't make it or something, um, we're going to be around. We would love to say hi um, to any. And Reb also has a few panels that she is going to be um, on that she wants to talk about. Yeah, I'm going to be on too. Uh, so one of them is with uh, Irrational Passions, uh, lovely people over there. Yeah. Uh, the best and most annoying RPG tropes. Um, I'm going to be on there uh, with John, actually, um, incidentally. Uh, Kelsey Hansen from Annapurna, uh, Trevor Starkey, and then Alex O'Neill and Scott White are hosting that. Um, so that's going to be a really good time. We're just going to talk about RPGs and how ridiculous they are. Um, uh, that is uh, on Friday of PAX East, the 28th. It's at 4.30 p.m. in the Arachnid Theater. Um, come by. It should be a really good time. Um, and then also, if you just really want to hang out with me a lot on Friday night, um, the other panel that I have is with Eric Van Allen at US Gamer. Uh, it's called Video Game Shark Tank, Pitch Your Dream Game. Uh, if you have ever just gotten drunk one time and had a really good dumb idea for a video game and you want to like pitch it to people who actually work in the industry, um, you could show up this. It's, it's entirely for sillies. No one's getting a game published. It's, it's not serious at all. Um, but we've got like a, a shark tank uh, consisting of Shane Beerwith from Modus Games, uh, Samuel Lee from Kowloon Knights, and Randy Pitchford from Gearbox. Um, they're gonna they're gonna listen to your stupid video game pitches. Uh, it's at 9 p.m. on Friday the 28th in the Condor Theater. We might also have a fourth panelist. I'm working on that right now. I've got a couple people who are kind of interesting that I'm talking to. So well, they're very I think they're very interesting. Um, so we'll we'll see if we can get a fourth person. Um, but yeah, that's that's that panel. I'll I'll be uh, doing both of those. So yeah, come hang out. I'll also just be around. Um, I I don't know how much I'll be with the main SDGC crew because I'm working it for my job. Um, but if you see me running around frantically, like flag me down or shout at me or something, I'm happy to talk. All right. Um, anybody else have anything we want to add for packs or housekeeping stuff? Um for us oh uh i also want to plug uh zach maddie and i did a review of kentucky route zero um that is up on services uh we it's us gushing about the game <laughs> uh, basically it's we tried to keep it as spoiler free as possible um so if you want to check that out uh it's a really really neat game that touched us all um so uh please check out that review and and if We're you listen to the carefully the... in the background, you can hear me sitting off on the side of the highway, twanging a guitar and <laughs> talking about these old Kentucky back roads I live on. All right, well, <laughs> this has been SDGC. We may not... I, 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 I forget the whole thing. It's like... It's, it's not, not always, always poetry, poetry, and we don't. Not always, always agree. poetry. Not That's agree. the part I forgot. Yeah, not always poetry, and we don't always agree, but we always keep it real. Have a good night, everyone. Thank good you night. for joining us. Be kind to each other.